I'm Katherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. Welcome back, Uncertain Podcast. I am very excited about this first episode of Season 4. It's also our first episode of Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month. Were you aware that January is Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month? If you are interested in helping raise awareness on spiritual abuse, a great way to do that is to simply follow the hashtag spiritualabuse or Spiritual Abuse Awareness Month and reshare content that creators are already making as the month kicks off. You can also hang out with us here on the podcast and reshare uncertain podcast episodes as all of our episodes in January will have a connection to spiritual abuse. I'd like to take a moment to share about an organization I just discovered, Beyond the Wound. Beyond the Wound is a virtual summit that helps survivors of religious trauma find the resources, freedom, and connection they seek. Their upcoming virtual summit has over 20 trusted thought leaders and licensed experts in the field of trauma and religious trauma. Learn how trauma affects your nervous system, gain practical tools for mind, heart, body healing, and learn how to trust yourself. Join at your own pace January 15th through February 5th, 2023 at the first annual Beyond the Wound Virtual Summit. Find support and tools to help you move with confidence beyond your wounds of religious trauma and into a life of freedom and safety. Go to beyondthewound.com to register and use the code PODCAST20 for 20% off your ticket. Or email scholarships at beyondthewound.com if you need further assistance to make attending possible. No one should have to walk the path of healing alone. Today's guest is Liz Leiby. Liz and I met through Instagram when someone sent me her article, an open letter to Church of the Highlands Ministry School. This article depicts the aftermath of spiritual abuse so well, and Liz herself has a great grasp of the outcome of spiritually abusive systems. Parts of the letter will be included in this episode, but if you want to read the whole thing, it's included in the show notes. You may already know this, but the Uncertain Podcast is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a nonprofit that serves as a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. This podcast and the work of Tears of Eden are supported by donations from generous listeners like you. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider giving a donation by using the link in the show notes or visiting tearsofeden.org support. You can also support the podcast by rating and leaving a review and sharing on social media. If you're not already following us, please follow us on Facebook at Tears of Eden and Instagram at Uncertain Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And now back to the show. I was actually just on your reading your letter and looking at the comments. I hadn't looked at the comments yet. Fun times, fun times. <laughs> yeah, the comment section is always a, a kind of a craft year, right? <laughs> you never know. You never know. Truly. Really. Um, the um, Instagram comments are also pretty unhinged and... And, and supportive. I feel like that's the, like, that's the range, like unhinged and supportive. If ever I feel like down because someone commented something crazy or sent me a weird message or whatever, I just go read the comments on someone else's posts and I see like stuff, like just people just put weird shit and you're just like, you just <laughs> like, okay. it is, it is a place for venting for sure. So yeah, you can find some things. You can find some things. How are you this morning? I'm good. I actually, you're catching me on a really fun day. My, I'm a published author as of today. So oh. my, my book baby launched today. So, so yeah, nice. exciting. 
<laughs> Yay. So tell me, tell me about it. It's actually a fiction novel. Um, <laughs> I'm a romance writer. I love a happy ending. So it's a story about a, a woman who about six months prior to the start of the novel, she got out of a really bad breakup and found that she can no longer paint, which is an issue because she's an artist for a living. And so the start of the novel, she still hasn't painted. It's been six months. So she moves into her grandparents' cabin in Colorado to sort of find inspiration again. <laughs> love. I love it. It's very um, cozy. It's it really is, cozy. yes. Cool. It's like, it's set in like a small mountain town in Colorado, very like fall vibes. Fun. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Very excited for you. Glad to be able to celebrate you and talk about, you know, spiritual abuse. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing says like happy pub day, like reliving, <laughs> reliving my trauma. Oh, yeah, no, actually like I, I also, my first book came out last October, also a romantic comedy and oh. I rewrote it. I had written it when I was like 17 and then I rewrote it during the year that I was in the process of leaving a spiritually abusive church. And it was like my little, like it like helps me survive. Just like being mm-hmm. able to write mm. something really pretty. And it was just kind of like, happy. I'm making something beautiful in the midst of this really horrible oh. nightmare. So yes. I the power of healing art and the story itself of like yes. not being able to create because of a broken heart, like get that too. So yeah. I'm going to want to read your book. So, Oh, well that's, Oh, thank you. And I, that's, I totally relate when I was, I actually wrote this one in 2019. It was probably the first creative thing I did after leaving the church, but actually the very first time that I did NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month, you, you seem like you're familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it once. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. The first time I did that was in 2014 and it took me this, I, what I'm telling you now, I learned in retrospect, but I wrote it in 2014 when I was sort of right in the middle of at this, this mm-hmm. church. And, um, and I, at the time, like the Hunger Games was really popular since 2014, why dystopia was really popular. And, and so I wrote the first draft of a sort of why dystopia novel. And the book was called Finding Freedom. And it took me a long time to sort of put the pieces together. But I had written this story about a girl in like an oppressive society that like wanted to get free. And um, I'm actually still working on that project. And I sort of call it like my my church trauma book. (laughs) And eventually it will get out into the world. But it's it's adult speculative fiction sort of transformed genre-wise over time. Requires a lot of world building. And so... Yeah, my time with it, but I definitely consider that one my like, that's like my trauma book. And I didn't realize at the time that what I was doing was writing this story of a girl who wanted to be free when I was when I so desperately like wanted that for myself. And so I love to hear when you're one of the first people I've ever talked to that has said, like, I wrote fiction to like, you escape survive yeah I I love I I so believe in it I love it that's beautiful yeah I believe in it a lot too and yeah it's a huge part of it's a huge part of my journey of just never because like in spiritually abusive community it was like 
first thing they go after is your intuition and your connection to yourself. And you have, in order to create, you have to stay connected to yourself. And so for whatever reason, creating and writing was more important to me than being that good. (laughs) And those companies, like I needed, I wasn't quite sold on that idea to just completely disconnect. And I think was why I never fully disconnected from my internal voice and my intuition was because of, because of creation. And so I'm very much a, a proponent of creativity being a way that we get our voices back. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. I do the thing too. I find podcast is going to be about. Apparently, apparently. Yes. I think too, what I found is I was a theater major in college and then I went into the church and that's what they always wanted from me is that creativity. They said, oh, you should bring this drama ministry. And besides the fact that I don't believe in drama ministries and churches and never did, because yeah. I always thought they were so cheesy. Yes, um, yes. It was like everything, they wanted everything from you. They wanted all of your creativity. And so I think had I told people that I wrote and I did, and I, you know, when I was writing it, I told people I was writing this thing, but the next thing that people always say to you was essentially saying like, you need to do this for God mm-hmm. and your, your take your theater talents and make them for God, take your writing talents, make them for God. And it was like mm-hmm. everything that you did, it was like the glory was for him. The, the glory was for mm-hmm. somebody that wasn't you. And it sort of like negated this like hard work. And I I'm finding that it's really hard to, as I've been in the process of like editing and publishing this book and, doing all this hard work it's been so odd to receive praise and especially to like today like people are congratulating me like oh you've worked so hard even now my instinct is to deflect yeah because Mm -hmm. right that's what they taught is it's not about you your talents Mm -hmm. are his Mm -hmm. it's you know what I mean and evangelicalism is is commandeering it just kind of It just, I mean, it colonizes, it, 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 it mm-hmm. commandeers, it takes over, it conquers. And, and then there's, is a lot of conquering language in the Bible. And so it's very easy to like create this, this conquering mindset of, and then it just, it just is designed to kind of eviscerate people's yep. lives pretty much. Individuality. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. there is no individual. It's, it's part of the, you know, group think and what are what are the things that you're good at that we can claim for us for god because being an individual isn't isn't celebrated your unique right. hard work your uniqueness mm-hmm. and beauty just for the sake of beauty that has no military mm-hmm. mm-hmm. purpose whatsoever like that is just I mean, that's very capitalistic, <laughs> that's very oh, sure. American, but it's a very American mindset that gets infiltrated into evangelicalism mm-hmm. and, and becomes, yeah, like, yeah, like it just has to serve this purpose and this wider purpose. And yeah, for whatever reason, I didn't give a shit when <laughs> I mean, good for you. Good for you. But I guarded it too, like you said. Mm. Like I very much, I very much guarded guarded it. And I wrote a lot of nonfiction and I very, very rarely let my fiction be read by people because mm. it was way too precious. And I just didn't want anyone messing with it. It's it's good, like um 
I don't know if foresight's the right word, but whatever, whatever that instinct in you that was that wanted to protect that thing, like, thank God, like, yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dear Highlands College, it's come to my attention that you need something from me, a former student of yours. A slew of us alumni received a text message that you wanted our help in celebrating a milestone for the college, 1,000 students placed in ministry jobs. You were hoping to celebrate this achievement by sharing our stories. You asked us to tell you all the ways that Highlands College prepared us for ministry and being placed. And just to really spell it out for non-ministry school folks reading this, being placed means Highlands College finds you a job or internship in a church or parachurch ministry. I think you'll be sorely disappointed by the number of people who opt out of this, at least for the year I graduated and the years surrounding mine. You might see this as no big deal, these former students not wanting to share their experiences for whatever reason. Perhaps you think it's because we're busy and we don't have time to send a video on such short notice. Maybe you think we can't put our experience into words or we aren't comfortable on video. Maybe you don't care to know why so many former students don't want to share. Allow me to shed some light. You did ask me to share my story after all. So I definitely have a lot of questions about your journey. So point of clarification, there's Highland College. Is this connected to Highlands Church, the Alabama Highlands Church Network? Yes. Yeah. Church of the Highlands. And it is Highlands College is Church of the Highlands Ministry School that they started. Got it. Okay. And then were you involved in that church then? Yes. I went to college in, in Birmingham, Alabama at Birmingham Southern College. And my freshman year went through a breakup and got connected with one of the RAs. And she said, let me take you to Church of the Highlands. And I went and November, 2007, did that, the, the raise my hand at the service for the first time. Yeah. And then, and I had, I had been raised Methodist. And so this was a very like new, exciting experience for me. And I spent about four years off and on going to Church of the Highlands while I was in college. Mm-hmm. My senior year, I got way more involved. That's when I got into small groups and things like that. But probably like freshman, sophomore, junior year, I was like attending sometimes, not sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. So, okay. I was, I moved away from Alabama right as Church of the Highlands was getting a lot of hype. So, would you describe it kind of like Hillsong y, like more oh. contemporary? Oh, yeah. This is, okay. this is a, a Hillsong knockoff. Okay. Hillsong knockoff. I like it. Good. Good to know. Good to know. Let me start here. Highlands College did not place me. I got a job at a church in Delaware through a connection I made at a church conference. I allowed Highlands College to claim this credit because the placement program was still new and it was mostly on a technicality. At the time, I was proud to be a Highlands College graduate going so far from home base my face on your flyers. I was a success story. You did prepare me for ministry Highlands College, but maybe not in the ways you'd hoped. You prepared me for ministry by teaching me that the pastor is the ultimate authority. And if I disagreed with something the pastor said, I needed to get my heart right because I was the problem. And when things happened at my church that I disagreed with, I would keep my mouth shut and remind myself that I was the problem. I did this until I no longer trusted myself to make decisions, to speak up when I wanted to or needed to. I lost my sense of self 
by shoving down anything that didn't align with the teachings of my pastor. You prepared me for ministry by telling me endlessly how hard it was. And you're right, it was hard. So when things got hard, like really hard, I said to myself, this is normal. It's supposed to be hard. And when things got overwhelmingly, unbearably hard, and I pushed myself past my limits over and over again, I told myself this was normal. When I pushed myself to burnout, I convinced myself it was supposed to be like this, and I couldn't cope because I was weak. For years, I worked on empty, believing I was the problem. You prepared me for ministry by teaching me the systems worked in the church. You told me the systems worked, and nothing was wrong with them. So when I went to the church in Delaware and tried to implement those systems, and the systems failed, I believed that I had failed. You prepared me for ministry by pushing me past my physical limitations with half marathons and extreme camping trips. In my own ministry experience, this gave me permission to work my body to death, to develop disordered relationships with food and exercise, because you told me, if you can't take care of the body you have, how will God trust you to take care of his people? And I believed you. What has been some of the response that you've received? Oh my God, overwhelmingly supportive. Mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly me too. Yeah. I can't, I was, I was expecting people to relate because like I said in my letter, I have circles of friends who people would come to me and they would say, I'm experiences, experiencing this thing. I sort of heard through the grapevine that you did too. Can we talk? And people would come to me because they felt safe. And I sort of expected that a little bit. I did not expect it on the scale that I got it. I was receiving messages from former students, people who graduated before me, well after me, students who are still in Highlands College Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm. I felt so seen when I saw your letter. And and that was so meaningful. They're there right now. there. saying, I feel so seen Mm -hmm. by reading your letter. People who said, I have been trying for years to come up with the words to say what you said. Thank you for giving me the words. Overwhelmingly, that was the response. I would say like 98% was me too. Thank you. And it was, it was incredible. And then of course, there was the small percent of people who told me that, what's that thing that you should, you should have talked to them directly. Uh, (laughs) calling out people online isn't the way to go this isn't this isn't I don't see God in your response also people of course people who denied the abuse at all people who oh well you had high expect you shouldn't expect them to do this schools aren't expected to do that and it sounds like you had a bad experience a few a nice handful of people who told me not to give up on God oh of course of course yeah yeah well that wasn't the Lord that was people Yep. Yep. Got that one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could have played like bingo with some of those responses. <laughs> and another one. And another one. Mm-hmm. Another blank. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Speak to that, that uh, perspective. Cause as I was reading and then I was, and I just, I work in this world. So I, I know, <laughs> I know what people say. I know where their mind goes. And, and you had mentioned at the beginning that you were in the season where it was like a transition between being like a ministry 
gap year to like being a college. So there was, you know, potentially administrative confusion or, you know, whatever. But then at the same time, you say, hey, you set me up to just accept abuse in later situations. But I also heard a lot of abuse that they did themselves. So how would you answer if someone said, oh, well, was it maybe just confusion and they just didn't know what they were doing? Like, how would you respond to that? I did have a weird experience as far as, is this a school? Is this an internship? But I think the fact that that students now are still relating to this, that students at every phase of what Highlands College have looked like relate to this says something. But I also think that it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with like the tangible day-to-day things because it comes down to theology. It comes down to, to bad theology. If, if you believe that working your body past the point of exhaustion to burnout is the, the, a way of honoring God and you back that up biblically, it's bad theology right? It's maybe requiring students to run a half marathon. You could like argue if that's like extreme or not. It's when you're backing it up with scripture and pushing people to their limits. And I mean, there's some ableism in there, right? Like, right. It's, did they actually do that? Like, was that an, an experience? What was that like to be, they like, you need to run a half marathon. And then what scripture did they use to like I, I don't think I can oh, tell you the exact scripture, but there was actually a whole tenet, like a, like they had all these pillars and one of the pillars was physical fitness. And so they like gave us gym memberships and there was a lot of like talking about how your body, like taking care of your body is like a reflection of the kind of leader you are. And they did that too, with like taking care of your car, that if you had a messy car, it was like a sign that like you couldn't be trusted with the small things. So God wouldn't trust you with the larger things. And, and they said that for, like I said, things as small as like keeping your car clean and things like diet, nutrition and exercise. And Mm -hmm. so I, I exist in a larger body and had, I don't know that I ever had a pastor. I did. I'm sorry. I did have a pastor say something to me one time. I, I actually was, it was when I was in Delaware though. So I was in Delaware at the church and a pastor from Church of the Highlands was visiting because the church is an ARC church. They were in this big network and he was visiting and I was very excited as the first Highlands person I had seen in a long time. I had been at the church maybe for like six months or so, like three to six months or something. But also I had just moved across the country. I was having a really hard time. I'd put on some weight. And when this pastor was visiting, we like got a chance to like sit down. We were chatting. He asked me how things were going. And he noted that I had not been taking care of myself. Oh my gosh. And, and made a comment about how I needed to be taking care of my body and how was I eating and was I exercising? And I mean, it was, it was fat phobia. It was, it was fat shaming, yeah. like hundred percent, but that culture, but to me, and I felt I remember, and I journaled about this This is why I remember this experience. I remember journaling about it and it was, he was just reminding me of all the things I learned at Highlands College. And so in regards to the letter, I actually wrote it kind of saying, I would say the most abuse, like when I look back on my experiences, I experienced abuse for sure within the church in Delaware that I was at. I, I feel very much like Highlands College sort of just set me up for it. Although I do see the ways that they were also abusive. And again, I just think it comes back to this like theology. It's intangible, like spiritual abuse, which is 
maybe the thing you're asking me to do isn't so bad, but the fact that you're backing it up with scripture and, and like requiring us to do these things. And uh, shaming when it doesn't look the way that they want it to look. And I think that that's something important for listeners and so many people who, who continue to ask, well, what is spiritual abuse? Like, what is it that this whole like framework of like, okay, there's something good. Okay. Taking care of your body. That's good. That is a good thing. Taking care of your body, feeding your body good things, you know, making sure your body is able to move, like stretching, you know, caring for good thing, good thing, taking that good thing and making it this extreme signpost of your faith and commitment to God, then shrouding it in biblical language, shrouding it in scripture and saying that this is a sign of your your character and your faith, which then ascribes shame and, and guilt and uh, just pressure. And then an inability to, to listen to your own body that you're supposed to be taking care of, of like, maybe this is too much. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I can't, you know, and then, and then as you, you'd mentioned ableism, like if you got to a point where like, you were injured or your body wasn't working that way, then, then suddenly you don't fit and you're Mm -hmm. not quite enough. Like Mm -hmm. that is spiritual abuse. It's subtle. And it's always a good thing. Not always often a good thing, completely blown out of proportion and then shrouded with spiritual language. So it's so hard to see because taking care of your body is a good thing. So no one can argue with it. You can't, we can't even argue. (laughs) Like, 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 how do you argue with that? And what, and what, and what's wrong with it is all about our emotion. Like uh, we're, we're feeling shame and we're not actually able to listen to this body that we're trying to take care of. And that is the thing that nobody will listen to when we say, mm-hmm. I don't feel good about this. <laughs> like, yep, something's yep. off. Then it's so easy to just turn it back around and move. Well, it's your problem. It's if your, it's your problem. weakness. Yeah. This is evidence of your weakness. If you believed harder, if you prayed harder, yeah, right. If you, if you let the Holy spirit embody you, you could finish this thing or do this thing, you know, and that's just not, it's just not always the case. It's not the case. And, and, and it's why spiritual abuse is so damaging because it's so hard to name. Yep. And so many people will invalidate you, especially people. If, if, if someone isn't struggling with that particular thing, like it's so easy to invalidate that experience. So that was, yeah, that's a, yeah. So there's definitely spiritual, spiritual abuse in the actual college itself happening. You prepared me for ministry by teaching me that it can be lonely. And you promised that the friends I made in ministry school would be my support system. You promised that you would support us after we went to our churches to change the world, but you lied about that. I moved to Delaware and I didn't hear a peep from anyone in Highlands College. I had no one to call, no one to ask questions, no one to guide me. Where were you when ministry got so hard, I'd spend my free time crying and praying that God would give me strength? Where were you when I didn't know why no one would listen to my ideas? Why didn't anyone call me? Why didn't anyone check up on me? And why are you calling me now, asking me to sing your praises when you weren't there when I needed you? I want to correct myself here. 
because while you lied about the support you would provide us, you didn't lie about my friends. The friends I made in Highlands College were and continue to be my support system during my years in ministry and even after as I've begun to loosen the chains of your toxic beliefs, we're holding tight to each other, laughing and crying at our shared trauma. These friends are the reason I'm writing to you now because I have been witness to their pain. I have been witness to their questions and their hurts and their anger as they have bore witness to mine. We share these things in our small circles, never speaking any louder than a whisper because you taught us that silence is honoring. Okay. So kind of backing up just a little bit, when you got this request from the church itself or the college itself saying, Hey, send us a video celebrating blah, blah, blah. Like what was going through your mind? Like when you first yeah. got the request kind of at, at the very outset, I was like, Ugh, something else they want. <laughs> 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 that noise is really taking years of my life because it's not really the first time they've done something like this and we get you know the alumni we get emails about stuff and usually I, I kind of shoot off a message to my group and a group of people and I'm like did you guys get this shit from from <laughs> Island? they're like oh yeah um and this I don't know what it was something there was some kind of alignment of the stars and I got this message and, and I was kind of doing my regular rant where I was like, I cannot believe that they have the audacity to ask these things from us. And oddly, so this like, I, I don't know how, again, the stars aligned this time. So I have somebody that I went to the school with reached out to me and was like, hey, and he had sort of like heard through somebody else that I had done all this deconstruction that I was, you know, where I am today with that. And he reached out and he was like, I got this text and it really pisses me off because I see so many people from our year in Highlands College have left ministry, have left the church, are hurting. And he was like, I want to say something. Mm -hmm. What do you think? And he just like wanted my opinion on it. And some of that has to do with the relationship we had in Highlands College, just like a deep respect. And I was like, very grateful that he like asked my opinion, that he like, wanted to know. And I told him, I said, you can say something, but the guy who sent us this message is the wrong person. He's just the messenger. He's not the person that needs to hear us say, listen, like we're all hurting. You don't want our messages. And for some reason, the thought of my friend being the one to speak out lit this like fire in my belly. And I was like, I have to say something. And some of that goes back a couple years ago, back in 2019, I was in therapy and there was the first time a therapist had said the word trauma to me. And I, I was calling what I was experiencing my church hurt mm -hmm. and we were talking about it. And she said, I think this was abuse. And I was like, okay. And she was like, this, she's like, this sounds like trauma. And I was like, I've never been to war. What are you talking about? Exactly. And I like immediately Googled trauma. I immediately Googled spiritual abuse. And I was like, oh my God, the foundations of my world. And this therapist at the time, like knew I was a writer and had said something about me, like writing about my experiences. And I just got this like sense, call it what you will. I'm pretty sure it was my intuition. I was the first one who was like saying the words within my group, trauma and abuse. And I, I started sort of speaking that language out to my people and it sort of was spreading around mm -hmm. and I sort of have always like I, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn here or anything like that but within our group of 
Highlands College graduates that my circle at least, I was sort of the one leading the charge with speaking out and being the one to say something and posting things. And so he and I like got off the phone. We like talked a whole bunch. We got off the phone. He had sent me a text message like 10 minutes later. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. You're right. This isn't the person to talk to. It needs to go higher up. And I just don't know about, about that. I got off the phone. I immediately sat down and wrote that letter in 20 minutes. And the version you read is almost the first draft. I tweaked only a few things, but like, I think I blacked out and just like wrote the letter. Ah, it was already in you. It was, it had been building for three years, probably longer, five years, you know, if you want to count the years I left the church and couldn't talk about this, mm-hmm. um, was like the idea that somebody else was going to go first and not in the sense of like, it has to be me. I, I don't want anyone else to do it. It was just this like deep knowing that I, I have a way with words. Mm-hmm. and I've been working on healing for years and within that circle of our group being the first one from Highlands College to speak out because no one's called out Highlands College before Highlands is huge and scary and mm-hmm. the risk is not always worth the I don't know about reward but right. the risk isn't always worth it and for me I just it was worth it. And I had, I feel like I had seen other people, not necessarily, I mean, yes, in church circles, but outside of church circles, the women who were brave enough to step forward about sexual assault and knowing that somebody has to go first. And how do you keep churches accountable if you don't start talking about these things? And I kept waiting. I'm like, please, somebody, somebody call out Church of the Highlands, somebody call out Highlands College. Mm-hmm. And nobody was doing it. And so it just became one of those, like, no one else is going to do it. And and it, I think it might have to be me. Mm-hmm. But Highlands College, I'm done whispering. You cut my vocal cords, but they healed. You tied my fingers, but I broke the rope. And I'm writing to you now to let you know there is nothing to celebrate. You sent armies of students out into the world unprepared for the spiritual abuse they endured, and now you ask us to declare all your good work? You'll receive no such thanks from me, nor the hundreds of individuals who were sent into the lion's den with nothing but a piece of paper and empty promises who emerged bloodied and battered. Some of us are still healing years later. I certainly am. You may overlook this letter. You may write me off as a bitter, former student who got dealt a bad hand and that's okay I'm expecting that you see yourselves as untouchable and why shouldn't you empires don't fall because one person had the courage to speak out to flip tables to say things that no one else is saying to call out the abuse and the hypocrites or do they I think that's an important thing too for folks to understand just about like that when you go to that place where you're you're getting to the point where you're putting it online it wasn't just a oh, I got a video and then I had like a reaction and then I wrote this letter in a moment of emotion and boom. And then this is what happened there. There was, there was a pattern of this abuse that you saw for years. You knew dozens of people who'd gone through this. You had been wanting someone to say something for years and you had your own story. You were working through your own story. This wasn't a product of a moment. This was a product of, of years, of years, of years, of years. And if you get to that point where you have to put something online like this, 
there's a lot that went before it. It's not just this flippant. I'm not saying that some, that people won't write flippant things online. <laughs> oh, sure. We've gotten plenty of those. <laughs> um, oh yeah. But, but when you get to this point and then we, and then, and then as you're telling the story, there's a, there's just the systemic narcissism and delusion in this college that so many people would have this experience yet they would still dare to reach out and ask for a video that they don't know, you know, or they've heard and they've just deliberately ignored it and dismissed as you were saying in your letter. Back in 20, I think 20, like 18, I had coffee with a friend, like super random. We were both in Highlands College together and now we both live in Pennsylvania and we like met for coffees. This is somebody that I, we were not like super close to, but it was sort of this like, I mean, we both live here, let's do it. And she was the first person that I said, I experienced these horrible things at church. And she said, me too. And I felt this like deep relief and she was the first person. And then after that, very slowly, I started telling people, um, old Highlands college friends, because while I was in the church experiencing these things, there was one person who knew how bad it was. And she was still, she and I were both still very much in the system. And so we were sort of enabling each other to stay in despite the bad things. Mm -hmm. But back in like 2018, it was started just with individual conversations. It started, I would say to somebody, I had this experience and they would say, me too. And I'm talking people who went to churches in Florida, Georgia, Delaware, Indianapolis, Louisiana. I'm talking every, I started talking to all these people. I started looking around and being like, are you still in ministry? And they would be like, no, because I got treated like shit. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm collecting individual stories and finally saying to somebody over here, yeah, us too. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking around and realizing of my class that graduated, 75% of us are both out of ministry and got burned by ministry, Mm -hmm. burned by our experiences after we left Highlands. The people who didn't get burned are the people who left and went back to Highlands or just stayed at Highlands. Mm-hmm. And very few people who stayed and are still at Highlands had that experience. But for those of us who left and went to other churches, we all left. And some people went to another church, but I don't think I could name one person who stayed at the church that they went to. And I I can probably name more people who are not Christians anymore than I can people who are like still in the church. And so I started, again, I started collecting these stories on, on these like individual things. And I started hearing there are more stories of pain in our community than there are of praise. And so when they reached out to me and they said, help us celebrate all these places, I was like, fuck you. Like you, you're, do you know what you're celebrating? Because like all these people you placed are, are hurting. It's this like battlefield of bodies I literally felt like it literally felt like we were these like casualties and somebody like steps up in front of our like bloody bodies laying over a field and they're like we won help us celebrate and we're like we're they were sending this to people who were no longer in ministry they sent the request out as like a blast to all alumni they've nobody has ever asked me like or anybody I know are you still in ministry? Do you, you know, how's it going? Wow. Like, they don't, they don't like keep up with us in that sense. Wow. It was a, 
So there was no personal interaction whatsoever, no follow-up. So even that request was a very ignorant, very uninformed, very audacious (laughs) move because they they don't have any idea. Clue. And that's, that's again, part of the reason I'm writing this letter is because I know, and I write, I say that in the letter, I have borne witness to their pain. Mm-hmm. I have heard the stories and you're over there in your castle mm-hmm. <laughs> being like, look how successful we are. A thousand students, please. Okay. 800 of those students. Yeah. Have are experiences are traumatized. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know the exact ratio of numbers or whatever, but it very much felt like an affront to the pain that we're all still working through. Absolutely. It was such a slap in the face because your placements are causing us to, right? Like your placements are causing us to, Mm -hmm. we're experiencing all these things. You, you put us in these churches, you say, good luck. We're so proud of you. I'm never, I'm, I'll speak to you again when I need something from you. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was rich for them to, I don't know, this is, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. 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 I also just find it interesting that there was the trauma that you incurred from, from Highlands college that then set you up to be, be in these places where there was abuse happening, but then that that many people were mistreated in, in ministry placements. I 100% believe it. It's shocking. 100% believe it. And I, I knew the extent of it in my network. And then when the letter came out, it was like numbers. I couldn't, I mean, I got hundreds of DMS, hundreds, Mm -hmm. so many people who didn't even go to Highlands. And that's what I mean that it's systemic. It isn't just Highlands. It isn't just Highlands college. It isn't just Church of the Highlands. It is churches in evangelical, American evangelicalism. It is, it's bad theology at its root because I'm t- I mean, like some people from 24 seven in Florida there, it's like, there was like a whole slew of them. The people message me, we're sending this around in all of our group chats. You're talking about our experience a hundred percent. This church isn't associated with that at all. Right. And and it's because it's not about the church. It's about the theology. It's about the belief that we use scripture to train you in these things, to teach you these ways. It's just, it's a whole system. It's a whole culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And that's a, that's a, it's a very pivotal thing to say because it, it's so easy to be like, oh, it was just, you know, Georgia, the Highlands, but, but to that number of like, how many people are no longer in ministry and no longer associated with the church. And then I'm just, I just, I mean, I believe it, but I'm also just like the fact they didn't know, like, like the fact that they, well, one, nobody feels comfortable telling them (laughs) and it's like, it's not going to do any good. And then two, that they wouldn't be aware, you know, like they wouldn't be asking these questions. They wouldn't be in communication with anyone, you know, like, like that they would have no clue when they make this request is just, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a very systemic, system, systemic narcissism. I wish I could like talk to you for like another hour, but we are getting, getting to the end of time. And I would just like to ask you if there's anything else that you want to say. The thing that I messaged to, there was sort of this like phrase that I 
message to a lot of people. I replied to every DM that I got. I tried to reply to every comment that I got when the letter. And the thing that I told most people that I needed to hold on to myself was just that to remember that, that you're not alone. I spent years thinking I was the only one who had experienced this. And that's why I didn't tell anybody. I felt a lot of shame for having failed in ministry, at least what I thought I had failed. And I didn't tell anybody. And when I left the church, I didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it was because I was the only one. Mm-hmm. And I finally got, I guess, lonely enough that I said something and and learned that I wasn't alone. And that fact alone, like learning that I was not the only one changed everything for me. That first Starbucks meeting I had with that friend where she said, me too, mm-hmm. changed everything for me. And I told so many people who DM'd me because everyone said it too. I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. It is a running narrative. It is, it is the thing that keeps us bound mm-hmm. to silence is believing I'm the only one. Yeah. And it's just not true. I was not the only one when I was experiencing it. I was not the only one when I left. You're not the only one. Mm-hmm. And that's just like my running message is you're not alone. You're not alone. It's not just you. It's the thing I needed crazy. to hear. It's you're the not thing crazy. I like wanted someone to say to me. And so I say it all the time. It's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's the thing. So. Well, thank you. We started our conversation talking about art and creation. So I'm going to end it that way. What is a book, a movie, a song, or a TV show, or some form of art creation that is meaningful to you right now? In regards to like the, like anything, just anything at all. Oh, geez. I guess like Taylor Swift aside, because that feels like the obvious <laughs> choice. Taylor Swift Midnight. I mean, yes. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to plug Maddie Zom. She wrote a handful of songs. She's got an EP out with like five songs and a number of them directly address religious trauma. There's a song called You Might Not Like Her and another one called If It's Not God. And there's another one called Pocket Bible that's really great. And then I think the other one is Fat Funny Friend. I literally, all of them are like my soul songs. Mm-hmm. But you might not like her. And if it's not God, if you, oh my God. I mean, I can't listen to them without crying. They just are, they are healing me. Mm-hmm. She was a former worship leader herself. Mm-hmm. And she's like literally working through her religious trauma in these songs. And I'm telling you for survivors, like, yeah. and for me, I'm just like, Oh, I can't like every time I listen to those songs, I'm like, oh my God. So Taylor Swift and Maddie's arm, like very, very casual. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for writing the letter. Thanks for just being vulnerable, sharing your story. Again, I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Kind of, I kind of, I always feel like when I do a podcast, I was like, okay, this isn't the end of the conversation. Like we can, we can do this again sometimes. Uh, I, I mean, I would love that. I, you know, I, we had such a great conversation about art and, and healing. So if you ever want to talk about that again, I'm so Absolutely. down. This is yeah. so what fun. What was the name of your book again? Oh, it's called Love Again. Love Again. Okay. And it's available on Amazon, Barnes Noble, Bookshop. I have a oh, website, just www.lizlibe.com. So. All right. Um, and thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on your podcast, to get to talk to you about this. This is such a crazy time for me, putting the letter out and seeing the response. And so wow. I'm 
I'm so honored that I get to tap into your audience and your reach. And I'm hoping that the letter speaks to people. And yeah, um, thank you again for the opportunity. I know it will. And I'm very honored to get to be able to talk to you. Congratulations on the birth of the book. <laughs> birthday. Many congratulations. I hope you get to celebrate today and the whole year. It's worth it. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. All right. I will talk to you very soon. <laughs> Have thank a good you. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uncertain is the affiliate podcast of Tears of Eden, a community and resource for survivors of spiritual abuse. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider making a donation by visiting tearsofeden.org slash support. All donations are tax deductible. Intro music featured in this episode is from the band Green Ashes. Before you go, please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review, and don't forget to share this podcast show with everyone you know. I'm Katherine Spearing, and I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.